Hey there, I'm Sarah Zarella, a portrait and wedding photographer and your host for Wedding Secrets Unveiled. This is a podcast where we cut through the complexity of wedding planning, leaving you with everything you need to know directly from the industry experts. If you want to simplify your wedding planning while having fun, of course, you came to the right place. Join me while I guide you through your planning, starting from your engagement to your big day where you say, I do. After photographing for the past 19 years, I am sharing with you tips and tricks to cut through the excess noise because I believe from the moment you said yes, your planning experience should be a magical time in your life. Here you will find episodes that are fun, stress-free, and straight to the point with a fresh, honest take on the reality of what you really need to know about planning your perfect day. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. On today's episode, we have Elizabeth Lutz, who is the owner of Elizabeth Lutz Boutique Design and Event Planning. We're going to talk with Elizabeth about the difference between a wedding planner and a wedding designer. We're going to discuss design, uncovering your vision, vendor matching, and making your wedding a reflection of you as a couple. Elizabeth is going to go into detail about what a design blueprint is and why the process includes all the above. She is going to talk with you about how to create your mood board into reality. So if you are design driven or enjoy design and don't know where to begin and planning a wedding or know someone who is planning a wedding, this is the episode for you. Well, welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled podcast, friends. I'm your host, Sarah Zarella, and I am here with Elizabeth Lutz. Hi. I'm excited for everybody to meet you and to hear all the wonderful knowledge that you have to share with our listeners. But before we start, can you tell them a little bit about who you are, who you serve, and what you do in your business? Absolutely. And thank you, Sarah. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I am Elizabeth Lutz. I'm a wedding and event planner and designer based in uh, Massachusetts, serving New England and coast to coast. Um, I work solely with couples who are um, they're design focused couples. So they come to me, they know that they need an event planner, they know they need, they need direction, but they also know that they're not happy with the chairs that their venue has, or they know that they're building a tent on their private property and they need that that eye for design to make it truly unique. I think a little bit about what is unique with you is that you are an event planner, but you're also a boutique designer. And I there's definitely a difference between the two. So for everybody who's listening, can we touch upon what the difference is and of, of both of them are and what is similar? Absolutely. Um, so my background is is in catering, and that to me, learning the logistics and truly the foundation of any event is is the most important. The design is the icing on top. Um, but it's my personal opinion that you can only do design well when you have the logistics foundation because they are intertwined. And so I always tell couples, you can pick the most expensive linen, but if you don't have the right size table, it doesn't matter. It's a failed, failed plan. Um, so the difference is um, that event planners are 
our logistics focus, it's kind of the right brain, left brain. When you're an event planner and you have dedicated yourself to planning and you don't want to claim the design label, you are truly focusing on logistics, timeline, guest count, hair and makeup schedules, all the nuts and bolts of planning, and then you're on site for execution. If you're, if you're adding the layer of, a of event design and you are a planner, you have, you're basically a planner with an aesthetic sense. So we will make sure that you have the right size tables and we will make sure that you have the proper place setting for the meal that you've, you know, that you've contracted with the caterer, um, but it's through an aesthetic sense. So we take a keen, like we take a keen look at the, at the plates that are offered at the venue, for example, or the flatware that's offered at the venue, for example. And we don't necessarily accept that. We push boundaries. We dig deep into what is your style? What do you want out of this? How do you want to communicate your vision? And oftentimes that is through design. It's through a customized timeline because you can always juggle around where toast might go, where a dance set might go to really customize a timeline for the experience that you want. But it's event design that, that tells guests where they are. And that's the difference between a planner and a designer. A planner is gonna question design elements where a planner wants to, they want to make sure it's pretty, but they're not as focused on kind of pushing the creative boundaries. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And you said something that really resonated with me and I hope with those who are listening is that it's the left and right brain. So, yeah. and the reason why that resonated a little bit with myself actually is as a photographer, you obviously are using one side of the brain, but then as a business owner, you're using the other side. And so a lot of times a very, I always tell people, if I could just take pictures, I would be 10 times better photographer than I am now. But I'm also using the other side of my brain. I'm dealing with people, relationships, timelines, logistics, and running the business, which is also customer service. So you really need to have both hats on. And I think it's very hard to find vendors who can do them both great. And and so I, at least I try to pride myself on with my business that I can do them both great. I mean, if I could focus on one, maybe, you know, I like I said, I would excel even more on one department, but you really need to just do both great. And so as a planner and a designer, if you have a listener, they have to really understand that there's two very different things and they can seek out one or the other, but there are people out there who can do both great. And it's just, it's, it's a very unique niche type of person don't you think i do think and i think couples will find you know there are certainly targeted questions that you could ask when you're interviewing a planner and most likely subliminally subliminally you're already receiving um the messaging from them and you just don't really know it you might not set out as a newly engaged couple seeking event design um you may and then you're my client, you're my type of client, but you may not. And you may start to visit websites and find yourself resonating with certain portfolios. And then it might start to click, oh, this one had a different style of chair or, oh, this is my venue, but look at how it was transformed. And so it's hard as a couple because you've never done this before. 
And a lot of it is just exploring, getting your feet wet. But what I always say is like really tune into the things that are sticking out to you. Um, if you know for a fact that you don't care about the place setting, you don't care about the chairs, you really just want to go in, use what's presented to you and plan your wedding that way. You're, you're going to be better served with a more logistics place plan, um, logistics focused planner. And that's, that's wonderful. If you walk into a venue, a lot of my clients will call me or talk to me on the first inquiry call and they'll say, I have to do something with those chairs. And it's triggers like that, that I know that we are, are in the right place together. When somebody comes to me and they say, I really just need you to plan this. I don't want, I don't have time for it. We might be the right fit, but we've got to ask a few more questions. Because if you want me to just plan, my services are really not, you're not going to get the most out of our experience together. Exactly. I, I think that that is very, it's a tough concept to understand if you haven't gone through it. And a lot of the, a lot of you all who are listening right now may not be at that point. But like you said, it just starts with a conversation. And as, as your vendors will hear the buzzwords and you will hear the buzzwords when you start to explore somebody who might be pushing boundaries a little bit more, that might be the, the ideal person for you. So let's say you are talking with somebody and you're and you're hearing the right things come out of their mouth that gets you inspired to work with them. Tell me a little bit about how you can, you know, uncover the vision and, and help them with, you know, their their own vision, maybe their vendor matching, or what if someone just says to you, I don't like the chairs, but they don't even know what's out there. So right. take take me through this. Absolutely. Um, event design now more than ever is, is an integral part because our access to rental products has expanded exponentially, even post, post the pandemic, truthfully. Um, you know, it used to be that we had the folding white garden chairs and that was pretty standard. Or if you really were going to go outside of the box and you had a killer budget, you would upgrade to what is called the Shivari chair, which are the ballroom chairs. And that was our choice. That, when we started, that was our choice. And it was maybe nine times out of 10, it was white garden chairs. And maybe that one out of 10, we were upgrading to Shivari chairs. So um, even back then, those were agonizing decisions. But now we have not only more product available, but we have many more vendors available. And um, so, you know, trying to weave your way through all of those things, you need a professional almost now more than ever because there is, I'm a planner who's an event designer, but there are event designers who are lighting companies and production companies. There are event designers who are florists. And it's impossible for couples to navigate this. And that, that's a lot of what we talk about is just education and, and who do I need on my team and what do they do? And sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't overlap. Um, but to uncover their vision, I believe that was the, the second part of your question, right? To uncover their vision, we really just start, um, we start with the basics. We start with like, what are their likes? What are their dislikes? And from there, you start to gauge keywords that they're saying. And, um, you know, oftentimes, well, not oftentimes, we always look at photos. 
And we do start with wedding and event photos because it's the easiest to relate to because that's what we're planning. Um, and I'll, I'll extract from them, like, look at this photo. What do you see? And by the things that they are drawn to is how, do we, how we really start to um, uncover their unique vision. Oh, I love that etched glassware. And it's like, okay, let's put that on the table and discover what that means. I really don't like the flowers in that photo. Same photo. And that's where we take things from Pinterest and start to make it a reality. Because a Pinterest photo is great, but what does it mean? Why is it there? Was it the color of the font? Was it, you know, it's, it's too broad. And to truly do event design, you need to understand the details and the nitty gritty of what the design needs to be built on. And, you know, going back to what you're originally talking about, and I, I kind of chuckled to myself where, so personally, when I got married, I got married in 2014. So, I mean, we're approaching 10 years at this point, right? And, you know, I was at the time in the industry for many years. So I already had an advantage because I've seen and saw things. And, you know, even then being at a wedding, multiple weddings and events every weekend, you know, it's still a lot to navigate. And there wasn't even the beginning of the options that have really flourished. And you even said it yourself. Like, I've noticed that, too. I have noticed that the event and wedding industry as a whole in the last maybe, I don't know, six six years five, have the, the – it's just – it's amazing and so, like – breathtaking sometimes when you walk in to different events and see the options that those were not existent like even when I got married and it, it was just starting to happen because I, I always laugh and I always tell my husband and he was like you know I say oh I just wish this was around when we were getting married I was looking for this right because you know I, I've been to enough weddings and I know that when we were getting married I was looking for different options than the two chairs that were available shafari and garden I was looking for it, it didn't exist and so what I did is I like literally started you know making things and fabric and feathers and pillows and putting it all on and I know it sounds kind of crazy but it maybe it was crazy but I just wanted to jazz it a little bit I didn't I just wanted to push the boundaries and it wasn't there yeah that's the creative brain that the right side of you which is why you're a photographer right but now you have all those options so even if somebody is super creative like I you know, like myself, I, I wish I had someone like yourself around, like, to help me through this, to navigate through this, because, you know, it, you could really hone in a little bit about where I was going with it. But also, too, there's also people who are not creative and they and very overwhelming. And yes, there's all these options for someone like myself who can see the vision and be like, oh, let's do this, this and this. Sometimes all these options are really overwhelming. So you're right. It's really like important to dissect and understand that it's out there and someone like yourself can help with it. So when you are oversaturated in a lovely world of Pinterest and Instagram and photos and magazines and blogs, it's so fun, especially for people who have that new diamond on their hand, but it could be so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And that that's kind of the that's the root of everything that I do is I just want to help these couples. And maybe that sounds lame. Maybe that sounds a little Pollyanna, Pollyanna but um, I just want to help them understand. And maybe that's just an initial call. And we realize that, you know, we're not the right fit, but they've, they've learned through that call. And um, 
that is what my process is, is it's, it's just helping them. I mean, they come to me with sometimes a Pinterest board, sometimes not. Um, we really don't use Pinterest a lot. Um, but you know, they're like, I have, they could be in one or two places. I have a vision and I've curated this beautiful board, but I have no idea how to make it happen. Or I don't even know where to start, you know? And usually the, I don't know where to start is somebody who, um, you know, they might be our doctors, our lawyers, where they, they just by general nature are more scientific and less artistic. And you know, it's, it's both couples. It's the, it's the person like you who, and like me, who loves it all and can see the vision, but is also just by general nature of being a creative, a little scattered in thoughts. And so it's like having this, this person who is not emotionally connected. I'm emotionally invested, but I'm not emotionally connected the way that you are really listening to what you have to say to help you guide, you know, to the right choices and also define your priorities. Cause in the beginning, everything's important and you want it all. And that's a big part of the process too, is defining priorities and, and using your budget wisely. So you're getting the most out of your investment. And also too, Elizabeth, if you, you just said that you just out of curiosity before we kind of talk about how you help the couple's get their vision going. But you said something that was really interesting to me. You said something that you didn't use Pinterest boards often. I would love to hear why. You just kind of slipped that in there. And I just want to know, because I have I have my own thoughts here, but just how come you don't use Pinterest boards often? Um, it, it might be because I am 41 years old and Pinterest didn't exist when I started in events. And so it did, in fact, I remember I was in catering and it was a mother of the bride and I was chatting with her and she goes, have you heard? It's this, it's this website called Pinterest and you like post a photo and you can save it. You found it online and it's so pretty, but then it just disappears. So this lets you save it. So you can always go back and reference to where you found it. And I was like, that's brilliant. And I went to it and it was so clunky and it was so not user-friendly. Um, so we, you know, we didn't use it at that time, but we all know it has evolved so, so immensely. Um, we don't use Pinterest because it, it just isn't great for the process that I, I take people on. It's really great for communicating initial stages um, from the client. I'll never make a Pinterest board for my clients. I'll make them a mood board, but I won't, I don't make a Pinterest board. Um, they will give me their Pinterest board and it's super helpful because I can scroll and in 30 seconds, I can identify colors they like and a style that they like and flowers that they like. And that is immensely helpful. Um, but then we take it out of Pinterest and we put it into my own personalized planning portal. And that's where our discovery process begins. We kind of abandon Pinterest at that point. If we need to find images to relay, an Im you know, relay, um, you know, an idea because an image is worth, worth a thousand words. We, you know, I'll go back to Pinterest and try to search whatever I'm looking for, whatever obscure thought I have. And oftentimes Pinterest will serve that way. Um, but it's not the driving force to the creative process by any means. I, I just had to ask that to you, Elizabeth, because it's so funny. I have such a love hate re uh, relationship with Pinterest because even to myself, 
as a photography purpose, I, I do have people send me Pinterest boards and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because I, I'm here to create for them and I'm here to photograph their day and what their day's like. And it may not be exactly how that picture was or the emotion, the people, the lighting, the colors. So I really don't want to be looking at a picture and then mimicking it. I mean, A, it just takes away my creativity, but also, too, it just takes away the organicness of their own wedding day. But what I do like Pinterest for is when they send me their board, I can, just like you, I can scroll through it and I can really, because I am a professional photographer, really understand the feeling, the vibe, what they want to take from their pictures and take from their celebration. And therefore, I'm able to create that, you know, in my mind and my heart. But I don't really want to actually take there's I don't want to be copying the picture that I see. Um, I just want to use it for a starting point. The starting point. Exactly. It's a tool and it's a, a tool that we're all grateful to have. Um, but it, it really is that it's like, it's part of the process, but it's not the process. And for you, photographers have such a heavy weight on their shoulders for the day of, and for you to have (laughs) a printout of a Pinterest board and try to get the exact photos, it's just going to squash everything. And you're going to end up not doing what you were set out to do anyways. Bingo. I, I, I will, I will not take any form of. Uh, pictures, inspirations with me the day of the wedding. I cannot be looking at that. It just, it just, it takes me away from the moment. But when it comes with you, Elizabeth, I, there's something unique that you do that I have yet to see others do. So when you have, we talked a little bit about the difference between a designer and a planner. And we talked a little bit about how you can figure out, you know, if someone is right for both or right for you or right just for uh, a planner. But let's say you found that person that you really feel you could help elevate their celebration, you know, and, and, and they sent you their Pinterest board and you created their mood board and you went and you went into your portal. Tell me a little bit about what's on your website over here that is the design blueprint. Absolutely. So design blueprint is event design. So this, um, I, I actually began um, four years ago and it was kind of just a, when an inquiry came in, like I had said before, I really just want to help couples. And so it was kind of, it's just a product that I created out of listening to my clients. And um, I found that there is a unique set of couples who want to plan on their own. They have the time to plan it on their own. They're handling it well, but they know that missing piece is a cohesive event design and they're they're tuned into that. They are that couple who said, I don't want the chairs that my venue has, but I don't know how to find out what chairs I want. Don't know what they cost. I don't know where to find them. And um, the unique thing with Design Blueprint is it is the exact same process as my full service event design and event planning um, offering, but we just extract that event design. And why I call it a blueprint is we go through, like I said, the whole process and they get the same design deck, which is usually about 60 to 70 pages long. um, And it gives them the exact blueprint to make their vision come to life. 
So we spend about three to five months together and we go through the discovery phase. We uncover what, what is resonating with them. And then we put all their ideas together in a cohesive deck, which is like that 60 page document, start to finish, mood, vision, keywords, color palette, materialities, texture, and then every design element, invitations, table setting, chairs, linen, cocktail hour design, all the way as far as they want to go. We can go all the way down to guest swag in the hotel room. Um, and and we just hone it in from there. So they it starts with this cohesive deck, um, bringing the, all of their ideas from Pinterest, from their phone, from their mom, like everyone's ideas comes into one place and I start to map out to them how this could really become a cohesive event design. And then we edit it down and we start to add in vendor quotes, vendor availability, a little bit more of a custom option here, a custom option there. And then by the time we're done, um, they have a blueprint and it could be, we have option one or two as your plates. So when you go and talk to your caterer or when you go to the rental company, you're not looking at plates from, you know, something that would work in a gilded mansion or a backyard wedding. You don't have to weed through all that. We've already done that. You're going with these two curated plates and it just allows their process to, um, you know, it's, it's, it takes the overwhelm out and they know that they're going to get what they want. And without the blueprint, the logical process for somebody who is tuned into event design is to make a, an appointment with the rental company. And you walk in there and the rental company, luckily where we are, they're widely knowledgeable, very stylish, but in an hour appointment, you're trying to uncover what what we produced a 60 age document to cover. Do you know what I mean? And oftentimes they'll end up frustrated. They'll have to come back. Um, there's just a lot of questions and, and uncertainties. And the design blueprint is 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 developed to remove remove all of that, but to also support those rental companies. Right, and what and, and also too, it sounds like it takes a lot of the second guessing out because you're already walking in there with a blueprint, with a plan, and now you just have to find those items and it really narrows down and makes your meeting a little bit more productive and it saves you time in the long run because it stops those emails, stops those questions afterwards. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it really makes you now move on to the next. So what we're gonna do, Elizabeth, is we're going to take a quick break and then when we get back I want to talk a little bit more about the design blueprint and and then I also would love to talk to you about some trends that you're seeing coming up for the 2024 season that we are in and um, so we'll regroup after a break. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. And don't forget, you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. And I would so appreciate if you left a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support. And now let's get back to the episode. Well, welcome back to Wedding Secrets Unveiled Podcast, friends. Before the break, we were talking with Elizabeth a little bit about the design blueprint. And so Elizabeth, you were telling our listeners exactly what that is. But I really want to kind of dive in and explain to me a little bit more about the 
the new trend, I hate to say trend, but the new trend, because it's very new of what a design blueprint is and how it can help our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the design blueprint, it's it's interesting because it's it's not a new service to my portfolio, but it's a it's a service offering that is becoming more in the forefront. Um, and I always find the language comes best from the couples that I work with. And one of my absolute favorites is it's the little black dress of wedding planning. It's the staple piece you didn't know you needed. Um, I guess we know we need a little black dress, but who knew you needed one for wedding planning, right? And that is what it is. And that was a very design focused client um, who, uh, who, who um, booked a local venue that is, it's quite popular. It's absolutely beautiful. But she said, I need to make a wow. I, everybody does this at this venue. And that is what happens that you, you create what you see and what you see is what you like. Um, but she, because she had this design focused mind, she said, that's beautiful. I love it, but I don't want it. And that's where design blueprint came into play because she said, I'm planning. Well, I actually really like the logistics. I want to do the logistics. Um, but I know I can't make my vision come to life. I don't even know where to start. And um, so to yeah. totally interrupt you, I, if, if for the listeners, right, if you are the type of person that you want to make a wow or you want to see your wedding featured, if you are taking what has been shown to you already and you're doing it, now nah, it's already been done. But to take it, to take something and create something new is what is going to make people stop to scroll. And it's also going to be what people walk into a room and say, wow. So, and I just think that a lot of people don't know what's out there unless you're in, in the design industry. Because there's things coming out right now that I might go see as I'm photographing that I'm like, wow. And then, you know, then I see it again. <laughs> but, you, I know. but you want to be that person that is the person that says, wow, right? The first person. The first person. And that's where, you know, that brings up such a great point. Um, and what's rooted in my process is the personalization. Um, if it's somebody who wants to come to me and strictly wants a wow, we might not be the right fit. That that wow client I rec I was mentioning there was it was it was wow through extreme personalization. It wasn't wow to be a trendsetter, right? And I think there's a there's a big difference, um, where a lot of my clients are purposefully understated. Um, they don't want, and we we you know we define all of that as part of your process, and that's why the blueprint is so fabulous because. You know, there's a lot of working pieces when you're planning your wedding. What are your priorities? What is your budget? How do you make that design come off of paper? Off of paper? What does this vendor do? And you get all of that as part of Design Blueprint, but you're still spearheading your planning, but you're doing it with the support, with the little black dress in your closet. Um, and, you know, there might be, it's also with an insider's track of what vendors can you trust, right? That's, and I've heard you talk about it on your show before too, where, um, you know, Instagram is great, but how do you weed out what's reality? And clients don't know that. And that's the beauty of Design Blueprint where like I've had couples come to me and they, it's, it's like, I want to use this vendor and I'll say, 
listen, we need to vet them. That's a new vendor and maybe they're great, but I've got this vendor over here who offers the same thing. And I have a 10 year track record with them. And that's the purpose of blueprint is that I put you in the hands of people who are going to take care of you. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of value added beyond just the visuals. Right. And also too, what we were talking about before the break, you know, you t- talked a little bit about, for example, a rental company. I mean, at least here in this area of the region, there is a lot of variety at the rental companies, things that were not available, like we talked about earlier when I was getting married only 10 years ago. So it could be a little overwhelming. But I think, like you said, if if you are either A, a creator and just need to be narrowed in or B, don't even understand what's out there, it sounds like to me the design blueprint really makes things a little bit more productive. Can you tell me, though, as far as making meetings more productive and making people understand a little bit, taking their own personal choices in, in implementing it into a wedding day, when you're doing this, Elizabeth, are you actually showing them like do they walk away with the idea of what they want or are you actually showing them the options of the linens like do you do that with them for example I guess like linens for example um, on your blueprint do you have the linen that they should use that you've already worked through your client or are you only giving them the idea and the tool and let them be the creator when they're at the appointment. Like, tell, take me through that actual process. Of that's what's the, the, I guess I'm asking, what is the actual material that's on the blueprint? Yeah, I think that's such a wonderful question. And thank you for asking. Um, when possible, the goal is that they have the exact linen picked out and they have a swatch in their hand wow. and they have a quote. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just getting ready to wrap a, a design blueprint now. And um, she'll receive swatches from the two different rental companies. So out of, you know, pick a number nationwide rental companies that are available because it's so easy to have them shipped. Um, we have narrowed down and, sh- you know, sh- that would be almost an impossible process to do on your own. Um, so we have narrowed down her cocktail linen, her dinner linen, her dessert linen and her napkin. That is your. That is like a weight in gold right there. Yeah, and then um, this, and then my next step is to pass off the design blueprint to the venue, um, and it, depending on who manages these rental orders, um, design blueprint works really, really well at venues um, where the the venue partners will manage your rental orders for you because that I do understand as a planner that is kind of like a logistical piece that needs to be recognized. Um, but my design blueprint clients are either at a venue that handles all the rentals for them, or they're bringing on a very qualified event management team who's going to take them through the day. And as part of that service, they're managing rental orders. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. That, I mean, the fact that, and it sounds like it might not be every step of the document, but the fact that there are definitely in your blueprint the exact you've already gone and you vetted it and the exact items uh, that they might be using is is amazing. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot, like you said, a lot of times your couples are getting married at, on site where they have somebody that's going to be using this, at, you know, and, and implementing 
in the logistics of it. But I'm sure a lot of times, too, the majority of your couples, and I could be assuming, but are people who are starting with a blank slate, a tented wedding, a private home. And this is uh, amazing because they they will have their expert team that will be implementing their vision, but they actually have the blueprint, the document. Um, just going back to my own wedding I'm only bringing it up because it's 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 my point of reference, right? Is that I got married um, on, on my family property, and I guess I was like making my own like, blueprint at the time, right? I mean, I was. I mean, because it, it, I mean, it was you know, I still have it. It was like this staple document. It had pictures and it had all the. I mean, hey, listen, it was um, it we didn't have anything like you have out there. But it, it became a tool. And it's funny because I've seen some of the footage of the videographer they do when they tell the story of, like, you know, the setup and the people setting up. For the train eye, you don't see it. But I saw I saw my little, I guess, like, you know, wannabe blueprint. But the. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that. they, that's cool. they were using it. And, um, you know, there was a lot of design elements happening that day. And there was very qualified te- people. But they, but you everybody needs visuals and logistics. And so it's um, amazing that you offer that. I mean, this all sounds great, but what are we looking at in regards to a range of a budget? Yeah, it, it really ranges. So part of the blueprint process is we, in our initial, you know, intake, getting to know each other phase before you've even seen a, a contract or a proposal, we uncover what your priorities are. And you may not always know what they are. And sometimes there needs to be a scope shift midway through. Um, but that's part of the creative process. I always say to my clients, I try really hard to make it a scientific process, but it's not. It's very creative. There's a lot of bobbing and weaving and shifting. Um, generally speaking, it's anywhere from five to 7,000 for your little black dress. And it's almost like a, it, you can almost earmark it as like your creative fee, right? Your your design fee. Um, and from that blueprint you have, you have step-by-step, how do I make my vision come to life? And you have quotes and you have vendor connections and you have accurate quotes, and right? Ac- and accurate cool. items already selected. Yep, exactly. Um, and the beauty of is it, it, it of the blueprint is it really can happen at any point in the process. Um, it, it, it can't, it, it works really well in the sweet spot of, um, you know, like 12 to nine months in advance. That's a really great sweet spot because you haven't already made decisions that you have to back out of, or you haven't matched with a florist who's not, you know, going to execute your vision. Um, but I have done a blueprint, you know, two months out. And right now we're working on blueprints that are 18 months out. Um, so it, the beauty of it is that it can really slide into your planning when you think you need it most. So moving on to a little different of a topic, but something that I'm sure is of interest to everybody who's listening. And for those who are working with you creating a blueprint, what are you seeing for, you know, inspiration I guess, lack of better words, trends that are happening, coming up, or what would you want to see more of down in 2024? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what's really neat, and this speaks to my own personal aesthetic, is it's, um, I love paper goods. And there's a lot, so paper goods would be invitations, day of stationery, including menu cards, place cards, table numbers, escort cards, 
Um, I think that's just a really important part of the overall design. Um, but it's really interesting. It's it's everything is lending more towards personalized. So instead of you know um, a, a, a wa an invitation with a wax seal and a ribbon band and and done up that way. Um, it still could have all of those elements, but it's kind of it's kind of intentionally like um, undone. So the font is not like a perfect scrolly font. It's more maybe looks a little bit more handwritten. Um, some you know interesting drawings like abstract kind of line art drawing instead of like perfect sketches. So I think that's been really interesting. Couples are personalizing. Like number one, this generation of of couples wants personal. Um, so that's one trend. I'm seeing a lot of, and I think this is pretty local to New England um, and specifically to my, the couples that are drawn to my style is, um, you know, intentionally understated, like beautiful, refined, timeless, but they tend to shy away from anything that they think in five years they're gonna look back on and be like, ooh, that was definitely trendy. They're very conscious about not not being trendy, and I, I do think that's couples as a whole right now. Absolutely, and just to kind of bring it back into, we talked a little bit about the design end, but on the photography end, I've been in the industry now for a long time, and I've seen so many trends just in the processing of your photos, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast, yeah. but like yeah, the editing do. portion, and I, I am very well aware of trends that are out there, you know, and I, and literally I feel like I should just cut and paste myself saying this and maybe stick it in every podcast I do because I talk about it a lot, but it's so important. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that this is a, this is where this generation's coming right now because I, it resonates with me. I love it. Um, if that's what we're seeing coming down the pipeline, bring it because just with editing, for example, um, it's just like house design, you know, the pendulum sw swings one way yeah. and then it goes the other way and you'll see that in Pantone colors and kitchen decor and fashion. But, you know, it used to be deep, dark, saturated colors. If I see a picture of someone post up on my feed and they say happy anniversary, I, I don't even need to see what they're saying for like, like how many years they've been <laughs> together. I know when they have because I could tell by the editing of the pictures. Um, and then the answer to that was light and airy. And then what's the answer to what's the opposite of to light and airy? You go dark and moody and right. so we're kind of coming out of that trend um a little bit um in, we are we are and thank, thank god <laughs> but but we are um i do appreciate it but but with that said i have always kept my editing process very timeless very traditional um the the, the editing process the way you know true to color you know, when when the, I, you have to be aware of trends, so I'll lean one way or the other, you know, when it happens. But I, I just think it's really important that you your, your your imagery should be timeless. And I and I really like that, too, with your decor. I mean, you don't have to be right in your face so different and so bold and so, I guess, quote unquote, trendy because you're going to one day look at that and be like, what was I thinking? And also, too, if you're doing that, a lot of people will be doing that, too. Um, it's it's what a trend is, right? So just kind of being authentic, but also too personalized. And um, I don't know. I just I just loved what that you said that it's still staying timeless, though. Does that make sense? Like using what's new, but being timeless, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 that is I think that's where that 
that's that differentiator between event design and and not event design. I think you can see it. And um, clients with that honed eye, they understand it. And again, that's not for, for everyone, but we're talking about the specific process. So those are the people who are going to see it. And interestingly enough, to bring it back to photography, you said something too that was that really resonates that you want your photos to be true to color. Um, my design blueprint clients really are honed into photography because they love the visuals, but I can't stress enough that those strong editing um, applications don't bring your design to life in photos the way it was in real life. It makes the reds too red, it makes the whites too white, and it can be, dis it can be disappointing. Um, and so I think truthfully in, in a photography sense that timeless always wins um, because it's true to color. Right. right. And and if, if if you're working with people that appreciate the design element, there's no need to um, alter it to what it wasn't in reality. Uh, but with that said, speaking of design, what is what is the what is like the one design element that you recommend that someone does the one the one element, the one element. And you're going to love this, Sarah, because you were a trendsetter. If you can do it, change your chairs. Ah, get out of town. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hey, I'm just giving myself a pat on the back. Uh, you know, like, wow. I, you know what, though? It's funny you say that. It's it's like full circle, right? When this podcast, it's so, I did not expect you to say that. It's so funny you say that because, uh, it, it, bingo. <laughs> That's all I have to say. It's just, I, you're right. There was a reason why I just needed to change the chairs that were out there. <laughs> I just needed to. I spent a lot of time doing that. Tell me why you think that. I, I would love, I, I, I just would love to hear why. Oh my gosh, for sure. So I would challenge anybody who's planning a wedding to start looking at photos um, in a detailed way, in a trained eye way. And you are going to notice chairs. You're going to chairs at the ceremony chairs at the reception tables. Um, I absolutely love linens, love them. And David Price, who we both know and love. <laughs> yes, he was on my podcast. So for the listeners, definitely check out David Price's I podcast. Yes. He's an incredible person. And he and I both share a love of linens. But, but I would say a chair is going to transform the design if you have to be very focused on where you put your design funds. And as long as the linen isn't terrible and it should touch the floor so you don't have ugly table legs showing. So this is making some assumptions that other things are already in play. Um, but yeah, I, it brings me back to, it was 2016 and I had this client, just a really quick story. And she was, um, I, I talk about her all the time and she's a good friend to this day, but she was a clothing designer for a large well-known company and we were planning her wedding and she said, I don't want shibari chairs and I don't want full and I don't want folding chairs. And I was like, I have exhausted my sources. I don't know where else to go. And this was in the early days of design where I was, you know, I was working with companies that weren't local because my clients were pushing these boundaries. And so I was sourcing from Brooklyn, New York, and I was sourcing from wherever just to achieve that design vision. Now we're so lucky because we can source more locally. But she sent me a picture and she said, this is the chair. 
And I tracked him down and it was a chair manufacturer out of California. I still have his, the owner's voicemail today because it was just such a like turning point for me. And I called him and he connected me with his most local, um, you know, provider of those chairs. And it was in New Jersey. And so we booked these chairs from New Jersey and they could come with a chair cushion that could be switched out. So again, this was a very design focused client and I'm design focused. So we had white chair cushions for the ceremony. And then we moved the chairs into the reception, which I never recommend, but in this instance, we staffed properly and we did. Um, and we switched out the cushions to black cushions. This was like a huge switch. And it was two different looks, same amazing chair, but I met that truck at 8 a.m. in front of the venue. They left their warehouse at like three o'clock in the morning and we got those chairs and now they're stocked locally. I don't, I mean, for our listeners, this is so not planned. And I don't, I mean, I didn't even know you were going to say this. And as you're talking, I'm like, we're like kindred spirits here because it's so funny. I mean, here I go again, talking about my wedding again. And I know everybody who's getting married, they don't want to hear about my wedding. But I think the key key (laughs) point is, so listen, right? Not even joking. Um, Two things. One. I didn't want safaris and I didn't want folding chairs, but there was nothing available when I was getting married. So I, the, the next best thing, I mean, I wish I did what your client did, but I did safaris. But I, like I said, I had to take lace. I had to make my own covers. I used feathers and, and like I used throw pillows and throw blankets to mask everything uh, for the ceremony because I got married outside in a field. I took chairs from my house. Uh, chairs. Um, I know just just to like I, I wanted everything to be a little different. Um, I wanted well, it to be like you were just you know, and I took like side tables and put them in between the chairs to have like little vases of, of but just something to just jazz it, right? Because um, the reason why is to me when you look at when you walk into an area and you're physically there, you're sitting on a chair, you see it. It's it's just an eye catching. It's the biggest ele- uh, design element, you know, and also to visually on a photograph, you see it. Um, and then it's funny because they at the time safari chairs were very expensive, um, so. We flipped them. We took the ceremony location and brought it into the tent, and it was not recommended to do this, right? For and and so they flipped it and they put the cushions on, and and they had a whole other design that they had to do. But it's so funny because I was physically doing it, girl. I was doing it then, you know. Uh, but I think it comes down to. Um, Obviously, I'm not the only one that thought that. So there, there was a hole in the market and people have answered that hole. And so it's just a design and a visual mentality. And so, you know, we're joking around, but all, all it was is that I wasn't the only one that saw that. And so that's why it's been created. And there's a lot more options. And I, I did not think you're going to say chairs. I am with you because that is the number one thing that I see when I walk in. And um, it does create a, a, just a beautiful wow factor, a nice personalization. So love it. And sometimes, I mean, again, everything is personalized and everything is based on priorities. And if it's the white garden chairs, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I've actually saved specific photos to share how these white garden chairs can be really beautiful. So I'm not downplaying them. I think that they serve a purpose and they're great. Um, and and we do use them. And But it's just, it's the whole, it, that's all we used to have. And now we have more. So it's exciting to explore options and not just have to default 
to A or B. Right. And like you said, it, it, there's a time and a place for like you for those two types of chairs. So you can explore every option. But if the right place is to have a white garden, beautiful folding chair, there's a reason why it's a staple. So it's there. You're going to yeah. use it. Um, yep. I could sit here and talk to you all day long about design. Um, you are Jen. speaking my um, my language, but it is time for our wrap up question. What are some key points that couples should be asking their event planner if they feel they are a design-focused client when inquiring to make sure that they are working with a professional company to ensure that their wedding day is absolutely perfect? Yeah, great, great question. Um, So I think this goes back to identifying your priorities as a couple. And if you have already identified that design is important to you, and I always say this is the easy this is the easy test to decide if design's important to you. It's called the chicken test. And ask yourself, is chicken chicken? And if you say yes, that's okay, but you're probably not design focused. If you say no, you want to know what the preparation is. What is the sauce? Where was the chicken source? You're probably design focused, right? I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So the chicken test, I think that comes from my catering days where I learned very well that I was working for a caterer where chicken was not chicken. We were going to have a big discussion about chicken. (laughs) Um, So if you know that you want to have those big design discussions, then you need to ask that planner that you're talking to because there are a, um, a lot of planners who are, who also do design. There are very few just design only, right? So chances are you're speaking with a planner. So straight up ask them, how do you approach design? Let them talk, right? And if you like what you hear, I think that's a good good first step. Um, next, why don't you, I think it's a really important thing to understand their background and where is this coming from? So I've, I obviously am talking a lot of design, but I didn't talk a lot of design for the first five to eight years of my career. I didn't feel like I was there. I didn't feel like I had all the pieces in place. And um, I've done a lot of you know, education with top Martha Stewart planners and constantly working to hone my design process. And so I think you just want to understand what their design is. Um, I'm sorry, what their background is. Um, and then I also think coming full circle to the beginning, you can have really pretty pictures with a beautiful design, but if it's not logistically sound, your day is going to not be what you want. And so you need to, in your own way, understand, you know, understand their logistics brain and their creative brain and make sure you have confidence in both. And that might take more than one discussion. This is impossible to do in a one hour inquiry call. You're probably gonna have some back and forth and you shouldn't be afraid for some back and forth because we as professionals actually really want that. We want to partner with people who have questions, who want to make sure that we're a good fit. Um, So I would say those are the top three. And then as a sidebar, also ask your venues because they are going to know what it's like to really work with that person. Um, and we've all heard stories where everything looks good on Instagram and then you work with them and it's not, and you just want to avoid that type of situation. Um, and your venues and your caterers and your photographers are going to be some of the really key vendors to ask about this, you know, this person. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Wedding Secrets Unveiled. 
You helped our listeners become one step closer to their journey of a stress-free wedding planning. Can you tell everyone where they could find you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Elizabeth Lutz Design. Um, it's not fabulous, but um, working on it. And my website is elizabethlutzlutz.com. And, you know... It's funny you just say that. It's it, your Instagram's not fabulous, but you're working on it because you're working. That's the problem. <laughs> you're too busy creating to be spending it on your phone. Um, but with, for our listeners, what I'll do is I'll have Elizabeth's information on our episode show notes, which you can find on our blog and our website page, which is at sarazarella.com backslash podcast. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was such a joy. Thank you for listening to Wedding Secrets Unveiled. I appreciate you being here. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to tell you something. I encourage you to check out our website at sarahzarella.com. We love photographing while having fun, of course. Check out our podcast page on our website for our show notes along with upcoming episodes with your local wedding experts. Listen in as we help you plan your epic event. And don't forget that you can actually subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate if you left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even better, share it with a friend. It's a great way to show your support and let us know what you think. If you know any wedding experts that would like to be a guest, we have a link directly on our website where they can let us know. Thank you for listening.